Fantastic. So I get the privilege of ending the, the series in James. I get the, the privilege on preaching on this last uh, little section of James, which is just the most power-filled section of James. And so I'm really expectant. It's all about prayer. So I don't know. The book of James has been pretty challenging so far. I don't know about you, but it's a real book of discipleship. It's a real book of challenge. It's a real book of provocation. It's a real book of, are you living for Jesus? It's a, a real challenge to say, actually, no, I want to be a disciple. We learned in the first few weeks that in, John, uh, in James 1, 17 and 18, that, that God is an unchanging God, that he is unchanging completely in his ways, that he's absolutely unchanging in every way. And he's given birth to us. He's given us new birth. One, uh, James 1, 18, he gives us new birth. He brings new life to us. And then the rest of James is kind of like, so live like this. Actually, choose to live like this. Choose to be living in this way. And then James, as he just comes to land in this section, he comes to end the letter that's been written here. And he just wants to say to the church, actually, you worship the living God. You have the living God living inside of you. You, you worship the one who is a saviour, the one who, who came down to earth from heaven, from glory to earth to save you. You worship the one who said he would never leave you for, nor forsake you. You worship the one who spoke and everything came into being, nothing into everything. You worship the one creator, the one who is sovereign over all things, the one who is almighty over all things. You worship him. You worship the, the creator, maker and king of this universe. You, that, that's the God that you worship. Be reminded that that is the God that you worship. But it's not just the God you worship, it's the God who comes down to live inside of you and live with you. It's the God who says, I want to be your friend. I want to come to, to impact your life. I want to use you to transform all things around you. I want, to, I want to be powerful in your midst. I'm not a far off God, I'm a God who is close by. And that's what this passage is all about. It's all about us knowing as a community of believers, as a community who worship the living God, that God is active and powerful in our midst. Come on. And actually the, the one aim of today is that you would leave expectant that God wants to use you powerfully. That God wants to bring his salvation more and more into your life. That God wants to bring his transformation and power through you into lives around you. That is my one aim of today, that you would know that the living God, you can interact and speak with him and, and commune with him and be, be in his presence. And you can invite him into every situation that you go into, every situation. So good. Thank you, Father, that you are so good to us, that you're so present here. Thank you, Father, that you love us so much, that you would give your only son to die for us. Thank you, Father. Oh, God, we thank you. Oh, God, we thank you. Oh, God, we thank you so much. Hallelujah, Lord. And let me just read it. So this is James 5. Hopefully you've had a chance to find James 5 now. Just after Hebrews, James 5, 13 through to 20. So I'm just going to read this. And I'm reading it in the ESV. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. 
The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three and a half years it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings, him back, brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover, cover over a multitude of sins. So the key verse in these verses, well, what, what you'll notice in every single verse, actually, it says pray. <laughs> every one of these verses, pray, praise, pray, praise, pray, praise. But this verse, 16b, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three and a half years and it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and, and the earth bore its fruit. Now I don't know about you, but I've always been a bit of a fanboy of Elijah. <laughs> you know, I've always kind of looked up upon Elijah and gone, Wow, look at his life. Let me read you some of the verses. This is the first verse that we hear about Elijah, 1 Kings 17. Now, Elijah the Tishbite, he's not been introduced before, he's nothing else. He's talking to the king of Israel and he says to Ahab the king, who's a very sinful king, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain on the earth except by my word. There's no easing in, there's no introduction, Elijah just comes, uh, uh, Spurgeon in his commentary says he pounces like a lion onto the scene just to, to, to bring the power of God. And we just see that again and again through Elijah's life, actually, that the power of God comes through him. The power of God reigns through him. We see him raise someone to life. Uh, a, a widow's son dies and he, he, you know, he says, I'm not having this, picks up the boy, takes him to his room, prays over him and says, Father, this isn't right. And he brings him back to life. And then he prays and the rain comes again. But Elijah's not perfect. As we're not perfect. Elijah was a man who had a nature just like ours. Do you see that? He's a nature just like ours. He's saying, actually, you're just like Elijah. <laughs> you can expect these things as well because you are just like Elijah. You are just like Elijah and you can expect amazing things as you connect with God, as you hear his voice, as you hear his word. You can connect with God in that way because he has a nature just like yours. I always feel a little bit intimidated by Jesus, people saying, you know, you need to live just like Jesus. And I always kind of give myself a bit of grace because, well, he was fully man, but he was fully God. So there's always that kind of tension. Elijah, no, doesn't say that. He's got a nature just like ours. And yet he saw miracle after miracle after miracle. He saw the power of God falling. He's got a nature just like nature, just like yours. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Notice one thing. It doesn't say the prayer of a powerful person. It says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful. I think sometimes we get caught up on the, the argument, well, actually, you know what? It tells the elders of the church to go and do this. Uh, it tells those in authority. It tells those who, you know, they're really walking with God or they're really powerful. You know, they're the anointed ones. 
Whereas James would want you to know, mm-mm, mm-mm-mm. <laughs> that isn't what I'm saying. The elders, do you know, I was reading like the qualifications for an elder. Guess what it doesn't say? You must be a healer. To be an elder, you don't have to be an, a healer. But it has, you have to be someone who is going after the things of God. You have to be living in faith. You have to be going after the things of God. And the things of God is to bring his salvation onto this earth. He says, actually, as an elder, you should shepherd the flock willingly. So James is talking to the elders because they'd be the people who are in charge of shepherding the flock. So when someone was ill, they're more likely to be the ones going to connect with that person. They're more likely to be the ones going to pray over that person. And the elders should have great expectancy that God is going to move. But you should also have great expectancy because it says here that you should also, everyone, this is addressing anyone who reads it, you should, you should meet together, confess your sins and expect the healing power of God to come. It's addressing all Christians, all people, the righteous person, and it's not by your own righteousness. Now, if you're, if you're thinking actually, okay, I'm going to behave really well because then the power of God will come through me. I'm going to follow every single law there is because then I will see the authority of God coming. If you're thinking actually, I'm not a righteous person. I know that I live in sin. I know that I'm far back. Then actually, I would like to say to you, you need to know your identity in Christ. You need to know your righteousness in Christ. And I would suggest to you to go and read through Romans 3 through to, to 6. Because Romans 3 through to 6 talk about actually you are all unrighteous. In your own deeds you're all unrighteous. No matter how good you are, you are unrighteous in your deeds. But then Christ came and he lived a righteous life. And then there's this really complicated word which says the propitiation of, of Christ comes. But what that word means, and some Bibles translate it as the expiation of Christ. It is not the expiation because the expiation is just the wiping away of sin. The expiation talks about the wiping away of sin, so you're completely forgiven and free, which is good. But the propitiation of Christ talks about the favour of God then coming upon you as well. The righteousness of God coming upon you. Christ's nature transferred onto you as a person. You see, God doesn't just see you as forgiven. He sees you as in credit. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, as long as you have believed in the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God's, Jesus' nature is upon you and you are a righteous person. You are the righteousness of Christ. And I think there is something, I think there is something of living out the righteousness of Christ because I think James, you know, the whole book of James has been, and actually uh, James 2 talks about Abraham not just being saved by, uh, by his faith but by his works, which is a controversial topic. But I think there is something actually, the, the language of new birth that James uses and G Jesus uses are really helpful. Because actually he says, he says that actually you are born again. The old is gone, the new has come. You are born again into a new person. When you come, become a Christian, you are being born again as a new person and the righteousness of Christ is upon you. And then if you're born again, your nature changes and transforms. You are a new person. 
You're a new person in Christ, so actually your living out should be different. Your life should be different because of the work of God upon you, because you're a new person. The righteous, the prayer of a righteous person. I remember walking into, uh, when I had become a Christian, and me and Zoe were going to get married, and I remember walking in, we were doing some marriage prep with the, the vicar, um, and we went into his office, and he just said to me, oh, do you know what, I remember, I'd been a Christian a year and a half maybe, come to faith at 19, I, I, I remember praying for you with your dad in this office. I, I remember praying for you to come to salvation. And that just hit me, you know, like I am the fruit of someone's prayers. I am the fruit. My salvation in Christ is the fruit of my dad and the vicar and whoever else praying for my salvation. I was with someone on Wednesday, or Tuesday, one or the other, and, I, and she came into the office and we were just talking, me and Duncan were talking to her, and she said, you know what, I remember the time you prayed for something for me. I remember that actually I didn't want to go into work and you were saying that actually, uh, I, I was saying that there was a bully in the work, a manager who was bullying me and, and I didn't like it and they had been off but they were meant to come in the next day and I just felt, you know, I'm going to pray for you. And I just said to her, you know, in that prayer, I just felt the will of God was for that person not to come back. So I prayed that that person would not come back to work. I get a phone call the next day and she was really excited saying, that person's handed their notice in. That person's not coming back. That, like, that prayer has been answered. God loves to answer prayer. He loves to answer prayers. The prayers of the righteous person are powerful. They're powerful. Sometimes I feel like I cut conversations off too soon because I'm like, can I pray for you? you know? But that's because I, I'm sure I'm wise, but... But God is powerful. He can transform and change this situation. I'd love to, you know, James tells us to bring wisdom in, God's wisdom in. So I'm not talking about not counselling one another, but, but actually let's pray. Let's expect the living God to come and transform this situation. Let's pray. Let's ask God to come in his power. And I wanted to read from uh, the ESV version. Because what are we praying for when we're praying? And some versions translate this as, as uh, healing. So when the elders come, that they would lay hands on the sick person and bring healing. The word there is actually translated sozo. And the word sozo is salvation, which the ESV brings in. Now the problem with our understanding of salvation is we, we take it to the justification righteousness route. And so actually my sins are here, so I'm justified and I'm right. And that's the way that we often think. But, but the word sozo actually means so much more than that. The word sozo or salvation means that actually I am going to come and I'm going to bring wholeness. Wholeness spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. God's power at work, his salvation at work isn't just you going to heaven at the end of days, but God coming in and transforming. God coming in and healing and it is about physical healing. I think James is referring, and he, the word translated in the confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed is a different word. The, the word healed is... I can't pronounce this, but Ayame. But, but he is talking physical, so we should expect physical healing as we come and pray together. But we should expect more than that. We should expect the salvation work of God to come. Wholeness. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be sozo. He wants you to be mentally free. He wants you to be emotionally free. He wants you to be physically free. He wants you to be spiritually free. He wants you to be set free from demons. He wants you to be completely free, healed up, restored. 
The sozo, it's an active word. We believe that salvation, you are saved, you have been saved, you are currently being saved, and you will be saved in the future when Jesus returns. The word sozo is so powerful, and we should expect the power of God to come physically, emotionally, spiritually. We should expect God's power in our midst as a people. It also says if you, if you do this in community, so if you're, I've talked about elders before, but, but if you're not in a church community, what elders are you going to call to come and pray over you? If you're not in a church community, how are you confessing your sins to one another and building that life? If you want to see the power of God come, I encourage you to do it in a community. James didn't know anything other than a Christian in community. He didn't know Christians off on their own, oh, I'm going to worship at home on my own. Christians are in community. They're in the body. And that is where the power of prayer and the power of God comes. Just to touch on something briefly, the confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. I think this relates to Sozo, actually, because there's a wholeness in you. And actually, if you're choosing to remain and live in sin, if you're choosing to live out that, then that will bring darkness and it will bring physical illness as well. Now, we need to be a bit careful with that because not all physical illness is caused by sin. John 9, 3, Jesus is asked, you know, was it man, this man the one that sinned or was it his parents that sinned? And Jesus says, neither of them sinned. This guy is blind so that the glory of God may be shown. So it's not his sin. It, it is sin overall, but not his direct sin. But we must know this. And I encourage you, if you're living in a pattern of sin, if you're living in a place of sin, get together with other people. Confess your sins. And God's power will come and set you free. He'll bring healing to you. You'll see healing physically. You'll see healing emotionally, spiritually, mentally. You'll see God's sozo coming in. You'll see his power at work amongst you because he's setting you free from the things that you're no longer in bondage to. Confess your sins to one another. Live in a community where, where Jesus tells you actually to, to keep a, a short record. So actually, even if you're not living in this outlandish sin or if you don't see it that way, there's a real power in coming together and saying, you know what, I was just really angry this week. I felt really angry or uh, I felt really judgmental. I, I acted in a really judgmental way in this way. That's my confession to all of you. I did. There was a, a situation. I just really wanted to judge the person for the way they were raising their child. <laughs> and I just thought, you know, God, I, I, am, I am saved by your grace through faith. And that is your work, Lord God. And I'm sorry that I am now judging that person. So have, have people in your life that you can confess your sins to. That, that, because actually, if you start going down the path of sin, it will hold you back physically, emotionally, mentally. As you confess your sins, as you live in that community together, you will see the power of God working. I didn't start my stopwatch, so it still says I've got 20 minutes. <laughs> the one thing I just wanted to, to touch on quickly was Elijah. When I was thinking about Elijah, 
Why did he see the power of God come? And I think it's obedience to what God says. You know, God said it, therefore I'll do it. Imagine God saying to you, okay, you need to go and tell the king, Jamie, you need to go and tell the queen, you need to go and tell Boris, not that he's the queen, he's the king. No, he's the prime minister, but he's the powerful one. Anyway, Jamie, you need to go tell Boris that you've prayed and that there's going to be no rain and there's going to be a drought. You know, like, would you do it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> See you later, Jamie. <laughs> but will you do the things that God talks to you about? Even in the confessing sin, if God is telling you, actually convicting you, are, are you, are you going to do the thing that God tells you to do? Be bold and share that with someone. Are, are, are you going to expect God to come? You know, when you're with someone, are you going to say, actually, no, can I pray for you? Are you going to expect God to come, actually, I'm physically unwell? Am I going to believe? Joshua, my, my son's new word this week was no. And he uses it for everything. <laughs> Joshua, do you want to go to bed? Nang! Nang! And then he runs away and tries to hide under a desk. It's quite funny and cute, but... I just wondered, actually, have we got into a habit of saying no? Have any of us got into a habit of saying no to God? And I think it is a habitual thing. I think saying no to God becomes easier and easier, you know, as you just say no in the little things, you know, I'm not going to do that. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to take that risk. You know, I'm not going to step out. I'm not going to, uh, God, I've not seen it happen before, so therefore I'm going to say no to you now. Have you got into a habit of saying no to God? In the big things, in the little things? I believe God wants to encounter you afresh today. I believe God wants to, to pour his spirit afresh on you today, to ref refresh something of faith within you, to come alive. God says that I am going to give you a heart of flesh in place of a heart of stone. Have you allowed it to get stony again? Are you allowing your heart to get hardened again? And I just want to pray, the world needs us to be believing that the power of God is upon us. The world needs us. God is going to move powerfully, you know, as we come out of lockdown, as we start seeing people, I'm in faith that God is going to be encountering people powerfully. But they need, God needs us. It's a strange thing to say, but God needs us, his people, to be in faith that he's going to use us to bring his power. And actually, I would just like to ask anyone in the room if they want to respond to that, to stand up. I'm not going to ask everyone to stand up, but just if anyone in here is wanting to respond, actually, I, I feel like I'm saying no to God. In the little things, it could be the little things or it could be the big things. And I know that's a big ask, and it's a big ask when there's so few people in the room. But I also ask you at home as well to, to be thinking and actually to, to physically do this. If you, if you feel like you, your answer to God has become no, I want to pray for faith to come, for a heart of flesh to restore and for his power to come. And I'm going to pray now. And so, Manuela, can I just ask you to come up? I always used to think it was a bit odd when they used to get the, uh, the band up 
I used to find it, it was a bit manipulative maybe to, to the spirit when the music started. But then I actually read in the Old Testament that when Saul wanted to hear from God, he'd call David in, he would play the harp and the music would minister and the music would move powerfully. And so actually I, I think it's a biblical thing for the music to move powerfully uh, as we respond to God, as we listen and hear to God. Just play something. And Yeah, we invite you in this place, Holy Spirit. We invite your power upon us, King Jesus. Let, Jesus, I thank you that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I thank you that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus that you've spoken truth and righteousness over us, Lord, that you've welcomed us into your family, that you've adopted us as your sons and daughters, that you love being around each and every one of us, Lord Jesus, that there's great pleasure in you, that your smile is upon us, Lord. I just want to pray now, Lord God, that faith would arise in each one of us, Lord. That faith would arise in each one of us, Lord. And Lord, if we... I, I just want to encourage you, actually, the congregation, actually, if there's moments in your mind coming to mind where you've said no to God, there is no condemnation, there's conviction. Repent of your sin, and he who is faithful will forgive you of every sin. Amen. So Lord God, we, we just say sorry, Lord God, for when we have said no to you. Lord God, when our no has become bigger than our yes. Lord God, I thank you that you're faithful to forgive your people. And I pray now, Lord Jesus, for faith, Lord God, for, for the big yes, Lord Jesus. For the big yes, Lord Jesus. For the big yes, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Pour out your salvation upon your people, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come in your power, Lord. We're so hungry for you, Lord. We're so hungry for your power to come. We're so hungry for your presence to come, Lord. We're so hungry to, to just be in your presence, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord.